I hope this is the show. This is it. Oh, it's totally the show. It's been a great session. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's the show. We're good. Perfect. Phoning it in. Phoning it in with Craig Rosenberg. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to GTM Unfiltered, hosted by GTM veterans Judd Borico, Craig Rosenberg, and Matt Amundsen. We make talking business fun and sometimes funny. That's because we're always unscripted, unfiltered, and unlike anything else out there. Get ready. Yeah, I, I listened to uh, Purcell's last night on my way home, so I'm primed. There we go. Yeah, I thought I was listening to the ESPN, listening to that Purcell episode. I talked to Purcell last night. He's like, dude, how's the show doing? But it was good. Maybe the 10 minutes of college football talk was a little over the top for... We got some constructive feedback. Hey, Craig, why, why don't we figure out who these guys are? You want to do the intro and then we can just keep talking? Right. Gee, thanks, Judd. Appreciate that. So um, anyway... Yes. Thank you, guys. Um, we're going to yes. do just a quick intro here. I'm Craig Rosenberg, so listen to my voice. Boom. There you go. And then, um, Judd, why don't you just quickly say something to the crowd? Hi, Judd Borakov. Listen to my voice. There you go. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how he talks. This is my, and, my voice is my passport. Authenticate me. Where, and, who is that from? Yeah. Matt, uh, please uh, introduce Yeah, I'm Matt Amundsen, and I, I don't know. What is that? That's a deep cut, Justin. Come on, you can do it. It's sneakers. Oh, whoa, whoa. oh, nice. Oh, what, what was that? What was what was the password that they were using? Um, no, that God. was literally it. Too many secrets. Too, Too many, many secrets. secrets. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, the yeah. I can decode anything black box. Still the, yeah. the movie take happens every time. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to our movie podcast. You you can tell it's almost the holiday because we're all all over the place. It's like, oh, there yeah. we go. It's also early, dude. 8 a.m. Oh, damn. So anyway, listen, you guys, today's guests um, are not just like business colleagues for me, but like really good friends for a while. Actually, it's been a long time, you guys. A long time. And so, um, you know, I, I have the utmost of respect for both of both of these guys. And so I'm really excited to to bring them on. And I want to thank you guys for coming. But let me just tell you, one of the things, the way I got to know them was... They built what I would say is probably the most well-run uh, consulting company. It was LeadMD, and it was literally built like a SaaS company. They had monthly revenue that they were bringing in on a consistent, long-term basis. Every time people would come to me and be like, "Hey, like, teach me, you know, what you guys did at Topo," I'm like, "Well, you got to talk to Justin Gray or Josh because these guys built something." is like I've never seen before. And you guys eventually sold that to Shift Paradigm, I think 2021, roughly, right? Yep. yep. Um, and if anybody knows, selling a services company is really hard. And so it's really impressive Indeed. stuff. And so here's, but this will lead us into the topic, what they're doing today. So they've started a VC firm. Uh, it's in revenue capital, which could lead to some humor momentarily. Um, but they invest pre-A. In, in revenue, as the name suggests. That's right. You're going to get them in revenue because they parachute in. And then you guys build the go-to-market infrastructure. But here's the thing. With the focus, when they look at the investment and they build the go-to-market, it's for partner-led go-to-market. And that's one of the things that we want to talk about today. So today's guests, everyone, Justin Gray and Josh Wagner, the founders of In Revenue Capital. So uh, why don't you guys say something so we know who he's talking? This is Justin Gray. My voice is my passport. Verify me. I'm glad you did not actually recount the way that we 
truly met initially, which was you kicking me off of a website. So that was that was gracious of you. A lot to learn there. Yeah, yeah, that was great, Josh. Actually, once once Josh came in and straightened everybody out. And, right, and, right, yeah. Josh, yeah. it's great to be here too. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'm Josh Wagner, and this is my voice. So uh, let's just start with this, you guys. Like one of the things we would like to do is to is to talk about what the market thinks they're doing right and they're actually doing wrong and what they should go do about it. If you took that question, how would you answer that? And then we'll just go from there. What the market thinks go-to-market leaders are doing right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll probably steal both Josh and I's answer. In So we've got this big kind of maxim that that we often put out there, which is like, you have to give to get. And I would say like the overwhelming theme in go to market in partnerships, you know, you see it across the board where, you know, you're, you want to become part of this, you know, large ecosystem. You're trying to become a a preferred vendor, preferred partner. And it's always you give and then you'll get right. Like you give us leads. Where's, you know, where's the source revenue? Uh, And then you can become, you know, one of our partners will certify you. We'll We'll put you through the engine and so on. So I would say that that by far is is the largest you know paradigm shift that that we see that needs to happen. But generally speaking, I would say if I looked at like one of the things that's really interesting is that in your history, you guys helped build inbound and outbound machines, and now basically what what you know if I look at the narrative now, it's like look that's inefficient. But I'd love to talk about that because we talk a lot about it's particularly on the marketing side, how the well, Jeff will talk about on the SDR side, by the way, no doubt, is that the the way the playbook that we've run for years on the go to market side is is not working anymore. And it's, you know, just looking at how you guys are talking about it, you were like part of building that infrastructure. And You're now the problem. Yeah. And now it's become inefficient. So t- tell us more about that. And then let's and then we can lead back into partner led. Well, I, I think, you know, you're talking about inbound, outbound, and then, you know, you've got this partner wrapper now. None of them are really overly successful in a vacuum. All three of them still exist to a certain extent. But I think you should think of partnership as almost that that wrapper around everything. Because if you look at, you mentioned LeadMD, like we didn't have a partner team that wasn't a part of our go-to-market. We had a sales team that focused heavily on our partners and getting heavily ingrained in the field. You know, that's where I think when you think about the mistakes that companies make, they start at the executive layer, they sign some agreements and they think magic's going to happen. Honestly, if you go down to the field level, start in the field, make some friends, give to get, like Justin said, you're going to get a groundswell of activity that produces results that might then get the executive team's attention that it might make it worthwhile to put some agreement in place. But that all surrounds what's happening with inbound, what's happening in outbound. How do you make your inbound, your outbound, their inbound, their outbound more impactful by doing it together and and focusing on things in a a real strategic partner-led, we'll call it, way? Yeah, I mean, if you can bring relationships into, you know, as the X factor there, like that's going to change all of those motions. So it's, you know, it's not that, you know, we have to abandon everything that, that we've relied on as demand gen engines. But if you can focus that that universe, that segment on on folks that you already know, that you understand their pain, you you know how they buy, you know, the, the who's important within the organization for, for your buying process. I mean, that's going to be so much more effective. So and, and it's not, you know, Josh mentioned sales like 
like we ran and and we promote organizations to run a partnership motion that is truly ubiquitous across the organization, right? It's it's sales, marketing, customer success, product, executive, right? Like it's that truly threaded approach. And and I think when all those, you know, engines are are firing on all cylinders, like it's it's just it's so much more efficient and which is why of course we're we're gravitating towards this for for our companies and even in our own motion. Like if we wanted to go out there and operate in, you know, 10 portcos uh, uh, at, at the same time, like we, we just wouldn't be able to do it. Like it, it, there's not enough hours in the day. If you can amplify that with partner relationships and get people truly co-selling and working for one another, that's how that equation stacks up. I, I want to jump in because I, first off, I'm on the over when it comes to partner. I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's a must. Yeah. Must align. He's doing a lot of work there, actually. <laughs> no, I mean it. Like he's... I mean, people set this stuff up too. So, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and so I, I'm I'm all in there, and I think it's it's absolutely imperative that people start thinking about it. I think some of the challenges where people run into things is they don't understand the different kinds of partner motions that can actually be set up, or the different mm-hmm. ways to set them up, or how to change the mindset of your internal org. Because a lot of people think partner is a I get a partner guy and. What you guys just said is always the case. There's always sales, marketing, and CS, but the vast majority of the time, it's one guy doing everything, or woman, or a person, right? right? And the big change I think that needs to actually occur is the shift in the educational component of like, what does it really need to work, and what is the ROI, the return from doing it? Because all the companies I see who are running strong partner motions, whichever one it may be, it's probably one of the most powerful motions out there, but it's also the most challenging and hardest to get going. So what, mm-hmm. when you guys are working with, you know, your port co, when you're working or talking about it, like, how are you guys addressing this kind of educational deficit and, and change of mindset? How are you getting them over that hump? Yeah, I think, you know, Josh, I'll, I'll throw you into the bus here because I, I think the, the most Please. effective way, quite frankly, has been to show them what it looks like. And so, like, we've got Josh in Portcos right now selling, you know, with their sellers, with their executives, and just trying to provide that that uh, context. Because without it, you're right, it's really difficult. Everyone kind of runs back to their, uh, you know, pre-learned behaviors and so on. So, Wags, I don't know if you want to kind of detail some of the learnings there. Yeah, it's not stepping over the easy things that could be, that could create tangible wins, right? Like you you say, creating this motion that everyone gets behind, that is a lot of work, right? Like all of that stuff takes time and and it it needs to happen, right? But I'll give a a very tactical example. So we're helping a port co get this partnership off the ground with a consulting firm that consults in their space. They're a SaaS company, consulting company, which obviously we're a fan of because, you know, we had this consulting company and we sold through SaaS companies. Uh, And we're talking to them they're interested in us. They, they want to go down the path of signing, you know, rofers and all this stuff. Like, listen, let's just pump the brakes. Let's find a customer that is struggling with something and let's get it going. Okay, fine. They pretend that they're going to send us a customer. It hasn't happened yet. So I just sent them an email to, hey, here's 15 companies in our pipeline. Are any of them your customers that you talk to? Like, oh yeah, eight of them are. Cool. Let's set up some joint calls. Like that simple. That's not a massive like overhaul of the company or anything like that. That's just like something very tactical that you could easily step over and just say, here's my pipeline. Are any of them your customers? Can we set up calls? And then calls result as it, you know, come as a result. There's value in that. Yeah. So but pretend you guys aren't there. If you because look, I'll just start with it. You put out a LinkedIn, you're like, tell us your biggest partner horror stories. And I didn't want to 
there's some things I want to write that I can't, but it's like all of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> what Judd said is true. Everyone says we have a partner strategy. They hire the one person and they do deals and like uh, they sign up partners and that's it. Like it fails because um, everyone thinks it's set it and forget it or you hire the one person to go do it. And it's just going to turn into magical revenue. And, and so um, let's just, if you were going to do the start from the start, like what do resource wise, what do you need? Let's just start there. If you were going to build it without, you know, I know you guys build it, but we, not everyone has Josh. So like, do you, what, what do you, how do you, how do you start this and set this up in the right way? Yeah. So I think like the fundamental is value proposition. So it's not hiring, right? Like I, in fact, I would even take that completely off the table. Like, your, your, your partner manager, your partner rep, whatever you want to call them, are the employees that you already have, right? Like those are all touch points at the field. So let's just take it through the, the AE lens. Like the biggest challenge I've seen historically is that people think about partners through industry verticals. They think about them through skill sets, right? Like you have to reset, you know, centralize that, that understanding around value prop. What, you know, does your solution and their solution together provide to that that end user, right? What is that value? And the more you can make that tangible in terms of actual ROI. So there's a, a storytelling component, which is actually what, you know, people, you know, over the water, you know, virtual water cooler these days, like, what do they actually talk about that that partner does? Like, why, why are we stronger together? And then there's the kind of mathematical portion of it. Like, what does that add up to in terms of returns? If you can centralize that first asset, right? And then translate that down to each one of those touch points again sales marketing customer cs they need to understand how they're going to leverage that value prop to engage you know folks that they're already talking to right but like you have to change the narrative around like oh just give me i want a partner for healthcare that does crm implementation right like that's completely the wrong way to think about it and so and again there's a framework for this because i say value prop and that can mean like a, a million different things like you have to change that perception of how you engage and talk about partners. I think that really starts with that joint value proposition. It's a really strong story that's backed up by, you know, tangible math. And then how do you choose the partners that you think you should start with that will make you most successful? And then as part of that, Judd had asked, like, there's different types of partners too. Like, is there some that are more favorable than other, or it depends? What does that look like? Well, from a types of partner standpoint, like you really have to think about where you are as an organization and your maturity, right? I, I think a lot of small startup companies, especially what we deal with, they think that, oh, there's a resale partner out there. I don't have to hire a huge sales team. They're just going to go sell it for me. And I, it's this magic wand. I mean, that's a very mature education, sales enablement motion that they don't have the chops to do. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So we think of it as, you know, resale is a type of partnership, co-marketing, co-selling, and referral, right? Like those are the top four ways that we on think On the go-to-market side. On the go-to-market side, your, right? Integration, integration partners and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so really being honest with yourself about your level of maturity, what your expectations are for those partnerships, and where do you fit in that spectrum is the first thing you really have to think about in order to get anything off the ground. But the, yeah. you asked a great question there, Craig, which is like, how do I identify partners? And like, this is the no, most no-brainer question that everyone asks. It's like, your customers will tell you who your best partners are, 
right? And it, it like that by, so let's say I sell to, to marketing and like the CMO, like what other trusted vendors do they already have? Are they already utilizing that are adjacent to your solution? So in Josh's example, right? Like this particular provider, their software requires an input as most softwares do, right? Someone has to create the model that gets put into their, their solution. Well, who creates that? These large healthcare consulting firms. Great. That's a ideal partner for us because our solution is dependent upon them and our solution gives them visibility into what they normally would have no lens into, right? Like they hand it over to the CFO a year later, they ping them and say, how's that plan working that we created for you? Right? Like, and it goes into a spreadsheet historically. So like, it's just such a a win-win from, you know, a solution perspective, like we need each other and our ideal customers are already using these partners. And so it just becomes kind of a no-brainer when you put the customer at the center. Like I put that up on LinkedIn a while ago and and um, a, a unnamed individual chimed in. It's like, oh, ideal partner uh, profile exercises are garbage. It's like, well, of course, you can say anything's garbage when you do it wrong, right? Like, yes, you need to be looking at the customer and and you know using that as, as your North Star to, to select your partners and then you know, gradiate that along an uh, ideal partner exercise, right? Like the customer is going to tell you. Well, in the, in, oh, sorry, really quick, Jay, because I, yeah. I wonder if more, Matt is the one, but I mean, you guys in your movement, like initially Matt was telling me about the marketplaces and like, you know, Amazon, like we're that for some of these guys, like the Amazon, the AWS marketplace is like the, big money maker, right? Or Google cloud. I mean, where do you, well, actually just Matt, that's been a thing of yours in the last couple, uh, companies you've been at, right. It's just working in the marketplaces. Yeah. A very good security. We saw a ton of success from that. Not just because, um, you know, being there like gives you a, a level of credibility, but because people can write down their enterprise money essentially mm-hmm. against the product and like, you know, you put yourself in a competitive sales cycle with a like really rough competitor and, you know, you're both listing a, a product for uh, plus service for, you know, 250 grand and they can write down 200 K of that. So, you know, all they got to do is write you a check for 50 grand. Like uh, there's a ton of advantages for that. Now it doesn't work for every type of company and like the massive lift uh, in terms of resource time. Uh, and energy in order to get yourself there, like can feel so daunting during the process that you wonder if it's going to be worth it. And then once it's done, if you're still not pouring a ton of energy into that partnership, it's still not worth it, right? So I think I think one of the myths and 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 both uh, both of you guys have done a good job of dispelling it is that like you can just sign a partner and it's going to turn into revenue, and that's just not the way it works. And partnerships is such a tactical day-to-day you got to be top of mind with that partner that most people are, are are a little bit unprepared for the amount of energy that has to go into it you know uh, another example when we were at when i was at very good security was visa was a great partner to us threw us the best deals that we had but they never picked up the phone and were like hey guys we got another one for you mm-hmm. but if picked up the phone and met with our our partnerships counterpart there right. on a weekly basis, they'd be like, you know what? I'll forget to think about you guys, but here's one that would be perfect for you. Uh, and so, so, so I think people are so used to 
building pipeline through automation, through systems, that they're not prepared for how much just handholding it requires in order to get a good partnership motion off the ground and then sustain the momentum that you have. Yeah, I think it's, it's a huge shock to the system when you get exposure. I, I do want to address the marketplace thing before I forget it, though. Like, you know, again, if you put the customer at the center of that and you, you understand that your customer trusts and values and is engaged with marketplaces and they've got this, you know, uh, uh, economic incentive to, you know, to, in terms of how they think about budget and what they get for reimbursement and so on, like, again, that's going to lead you in that direction. Like, th this is a great, you know, essentially co-selling and, and co-marketing channel. But it, to your, so to your point on, like, what is the level of lift? Like, for the first three years, people thought we were Marketo employees at LeadMD. Like, we were in their offices so much, right? Like, and I'm in Arizona. Like, the company is in Arizona. Marketo is in San Mateo. Like, we literally, like, lived at that hotel. I forget what it is, like a... San Mateo Marriott. Shitty Marriott, right? Like, but like we were over there all the time, just walking the halls. Cause you're right. We'd walk up to someone, hey, what are you working on? Oh, wow. You know what I mean? You'd walk away with two deals from from that exercise. So there is just a lot of uh, you know, top of mind awareness that has to be generated by by being front and center in front of someone. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna jump in because there's a bazillion things that Matt, you brought up and that have come up here. And Matt, I'm gonna come back to you because I want to get into partner marketing. And I well, and you, go ahead. I just want to double down on what Justin said, which is I was an employee of Marketo at the time, and I thought that Justin and Josh worked at Marketo. <laughs> there you go. And, and there you go. Hey, look, first off, that's a great partnership and a great relationship because you guys did something. There's so many nuances to partnership that most people don't think of. Like the bigger the player, the less likely they are to co anything with you. You're basically leveraging the relationship you're a part of their ecosystem and a lot of people try to separate ecosystem from partner i think that they're they're part of a partner motion they're just different the other piece any motion any motion takes a lot of work and for some reason like the way that everybody thinks they're a marketer everybody <laughs> thinks that partner is easy that it's a plug and play kind of situation. And they forget the fact that if you plan on rolling out any motion, you have to unify about how you're going to do it. All the pieces have to understand. There has to be that unified understanding of what's your part, what should it look like? What are the expectations? And that's the biggest miss that I see with partnership all the time. You know, you guys were smart. You went in and you said, hey, they're a bigger player. We need to be active, right? We need to be there. Now, most people go, oh, they know we have a piece of paper signed this is a done deal. We don't have to sit. Right. We're just going to sit back and wait for the money. And that's the worst approach to partner you could ever have. It's like thinking that if you're going to do inbound and all you're going to do is throw up some SEO and wait. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess my question is, does that apply to anything in life in terms of like set it and forget it? I feel like it's like such a just goal, unspoken goal for everyone. And I can't think of a single thing that, that ever just kind of is on autopilot and, and consistently works. So, yeah, yeah, everybody like, loves to use the terminology, right? From like yeah. fantasy football to business. It's everything in between. It's like, oh, you, this is a set it, forget it. And you're like, really? Well, that was <laughs> a problem with marketing automation, right? Like it, it was this whole misnomer that we were going to automate our marketing and it just made things more complicated and created a bigger spider web, more more data, more workflows, more this, more that. More Wait, you mean AI? Yeah, like drop, right? Can like, you tell Josh sold marketing automation consulting. Yeah, exactly. I needed well, to make well, it sound more complex that. than it really was. And on the marketing front, though, and I'd love to hear this actually from you, Matt. You know, how are you guys generally engaged? So, so coming from the CMO perspective, right? 
partner gets introduced, how do they bring it to you? How do they sell you internally to give resources to help this motion take place, move forward? Because I see so many orgs where, of course, marketing and sales should be a part of it, but they kind of step back and be like, I've got a partner marketer. They just do it all. I don't even, I have no focus on that. Like what, what's your take and how do you do it right from a marketing perspective? Well, I don't know that I know how to do it right. I know how I've done it in the past, which is, uh, you know, I, I always think about categorizing different partnerships into different partnerships, right? Some are co-selling, some are co-marketing. Um, the ones that, uh, that are co-selling, like I need to see from the partner team, uh, what their expectation is around, uh, around revenue that we're going to generate. And that gives us an opportunity to think about, you know, how much, how many resources we want to deploy there. The co-marketing stuff is generally the stuff that I get excited about because if there's an opportunity for me to be successful by association, I'm all about that. Yeah. Um, and then my the the way I usually manage that is, you know, larger brands. I'm typically at the smaller brand. Uh, they're like, yeah, we'll do stuff, but they don't want to do it. You know, they'll they'll show up, they'll sign off. And so the way I, I sort of integrate uh, the companies that I work for into larger organizations is I just come out and say, I'll do everything. Yep. Yeah. I'll do everything. Huge. That, that, was, our, that yeah. was our total strategy at, at LeadMD. We'd be like, listen, if you, you know, it wasn't a, 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 you know, a requisite that they had to co-fund something, but hey, are you interested in co-funding it? Like what, you know, let's get the strategy together. How are we approaching it? Who's our list? All right, now, would you like us to come in and run that end to end? And like 99% of the time, they're like, yeah, right? Yeah. And so we're just more nimble. Just the value. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think the other thing too is what's really important nowadays, I think uh, uh, this, this wasn't really a part of my strategy in the past, but I like to show up with the story too. Like the whole thing built, Big done job. for the most part, and just like, hey, this is how we work together. Uh, this is why our, you know, our our products are aligned, our visions are aligned. This is the future that products like this are building together, uh, and this is why our target ICP and personas would care about it. And they're just like, oh, yeah, cool, great, yeah, go for it. So literally, it's can I get a quote out of you, and would you mind uh, maybe putting this in your social feed? You'll do that. Spectacular. We'll do everything else. Yeah, but what's missing, man, is like that needs to be in the field too. Like every oh, time yeah. I talk to someone when you were at Marketo, right? Like I was telling that story to every single new AE that I was meeting every single time so that they right. felt like there was some value in talking to me, right? Like yeah. it was constant. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, that's what I did because Judd is actually helping people on the co selling side too. So, like, if as we go down the line here, it's like you make, do you, I felt like in the start, Josh, you were implying maybe that you do deals in the field first before you sign a big agreement, or is that not what you meant, or is that what no, you that's meant? absolutely what I meant. Like, if you can go make friends in the field and come up with a solution together that's tangible, and now you have this customer output, to Justin's point earlier, that you can take up the chain and say, this isn't just us pushing paperwork. We do this, you do this, together we do this, and we sold it to somebody. How much more powerful is that to the CEO of even a big market company than just, hey, let's push some partner paper? I, so I think the big takeaway here is people are lazy. Give them the work and they're probably going to say yes. Yeah. I think that's been a theme for the last seven minutes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Package it up. But that does tie back, Josh, to like how you were saying with 
with what Matt was, you know, like, look, we create this storyline and value prop. Mark, you know, partner marketing will, you know, uh, try to create a relationship from the marketing side. But then on the co-selling side, we take that story out to the to the reps. So do you actually just look up their reps of a place you think you should partner and just reach out to them? Yeah, I've done that. Um, you know, the, the partner people can be gates, especially in these big companies. Like, you know, when Marketo got acquired by Adobe, it became freaking impossible to get in front of an Adobe rep. These partner people were just gate, gatekeepers. They're they like a secretary. Like, oh, no, you can't talk to uh, Mr. So-and-so rep. He's way too important to talk to you. Get the fuck out of here. Like, what One thing, though, what I'm finding, because I, I think that used to be the case, I think we're starting to get better access and more understanding in the partner space now that a lot of these communities have, have popped up, movements around partner in general, where now they're like, wait a minute, we've been relegated to like nothingness for years, right? Yeah, like, they're like an SDR. Right. And, and so they're going, SDR. of course, I'm going to play gatekeeper because it's the only power I have. Mm-hmm. Now I think they're like, how do I unify with more and expand how people think of partner? I mean, now we're seeing like chief partner officers show up in Fortune 500 companies. We're seeing partner reps get elevated to CRO titles. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that's going on. I think you guys like one kudos, honestly, because I, I, I'm glad that somebody kind of went all in and said, we're going to invest here and build it because there's a need. Um, but what's your take also on the same way that most motions kind of go through cycles, right? Do you think this is hot now as let's say, SDR, I'm just saying that because Craig will make fun of me later, uh, was at one point, right? Like, is this kind of, it's happening now, but it's going to cool later? Or do you guys think this is something that if done right, could actually just be a motion that works into perpetuity? It's relationships. It's building relationships. Like, when is building relationships ever like crash and burn, right? Especially, you know, personal business, it doesn't really matter. Like the people that I sold with at Marketo, 10 years ago, I still talk to whatever company they're in now. Um, I can get ideas from them. We might flip each other customers. Like, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. Those relationships still persist, right? And, you know, I could consider any one of them partners that, you know, Craig, same thing, right? Like, oh, you should talk to Rosenberg. He's doing cool stuff at scale, right? Like that stuff happens all the time. So, you know, I don't think it's ever going to go out of style. And, you know, what's the, the no where salespeople are lazy, right? And that's totally true. Like, I don't want to go make a hundred outbound calls. Like I'd rather make a good targeted call, talk to someone, get some intelligence and call five partners after it and say, Hey, I talked to so-and-so and such and such. What do you know? And then surround that deal or potential deal with a bunch of Intel before I go make five more calls into that company and try to figure stuff out. Companies are just measuring the wrong things, right? If you can get Intel faster through relationships, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. I mean, there, there will be a hype cycle as, as software always does, as like folks try to distill portions of, of partnership led or nearbound or whatever you want to call it into the lowest common denominator. And we've seen that already with, you know, target account list exchanging, like everyone wants to, you know, align their target account list. Like that's one aspect. We saw it with marketing automation. We saw it with sales uh, engagement. Like you'll always see like software try to latch on. And there'll be some value in that. And there'll be a lot of, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, wayward damage that falls out as well. But like the fundamental there, like, is something that has been. And again, I was telling you guys previously, I listened to to Ted's uh, episode that you guys did. Like what he's talking about in terms of like good consultative selling, like this is what good consultative sellers do. Like they understand the buyer, the business. And the best way to do that is 
through people that already know them. Yeah. So, so wait, so you guys just going on the co-selling side. Um, let's, so I got X number of reps and I, you know, I want to start doing this partner led strategy. Do I tell them, look, here are the partners you should go pursue, go reach out to these folks. Um, or, and do I train them on the messaging with the partners? And then you, Josh, you said you got to measure different things. <clears throat> See, I shorted the system. The glasses. <laughs> yeah, responded to the um, yeah, DHL is the new one. He wrote me and said, hey, should I respond to this? Uh, I'm like that. But the email is a Gmail address. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, um, but yeah, so could just get like in the weeds here, because this is really important. Um, when we're co-selling, like what are the mechanics here? Because once again, we're just going to get in trouble again and be like, oh, we figured it out. Like the sellers have to go make, it's like, no, you got to enable them the same way you do how they engage with customers. Right. So like, what's the playbook there for the reps? I mean, there's got to be some executives, like, you know, from from my standpoint, you know, I was a a seller under Justin. So I had to know what my target was. Like we had an ICP that was narrowed down by types of partners. So even when we would do outbound stuff or generate content for inbound, it was all targeting companies that either had Marketo, a competitor to Marketo, a bolt-on to Marketo, right? Like so we had this technographic profile that filled out the type of companies we targeted. Then we also had our, you know, okay, a mid-market company, so much revenue. We had, you know, we had all that kind of stuff. But I wasn't just out there calling every company possible. Justin had gone through the effort to create an ICP of the types of companies that partnered into where we were going. So I had some direction, right? It wasn't just crazy. Wait, you can almost take Josh's like first day as, as a guide around this, right? Like his first day, I gave him a list of like, not, not here's the partners you're going to go after, but here are the reps within our key partners and you're getting on a plane tomorrow and you're going out and meeting each one of these. And actually, Craig, I think you were one of the folks on that list. Like, it, you know, a lot, Josh, that was really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I think you, it, it, what I really like to do is, is, you know, kind of beta test things like build a proof of concept, take, you know, it depends on the size of the company, but like a one or a group of your most advanced sellers, like folks that you can indoctrinate with this concept and then align them to you know, if they're geo-based or like just folks that make sense within their territory, sellers within those partners, right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to make, you know, make a relationship there. Here are some, again, give to get, like here are some potential prospects for them that are within our customer base. Like you've got that in your bag. Like let's collaborate on, on, you know, these couple like layup type of deals, right? Like we've got great relationships. They're open to introductions. We know they're struggling with something. And then use the outcome of that process as the case study to roll that out to larger and, and larger rings of that onion, right? Um, because to the point earlier, like people, for as much as we've done in partnerships, people still don't know what this looks like when run well. And, you know, I will say this, like it is a never ending maturity process. Like you can always get better at co-selling. Like we all have egos. We've been taught, you know, to hero, sell the hell out of everything. Like I'm going to come in and I'm going to be the, you know, the, 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 the champion for this company, like co-selling and, and, and partner led really requires that like you're going in together. And that is something that you, again, like 
you've got to practice with that and really master that over time. But if you can start with like that really good example of here's a baseline now build on top of that, get, you know, mature your own motions and, and, you know, teach your teams based on that example. I, I, I love that kind of proof of concept process. I think this is also where the platforms are starting to come in and make all of this easier, right? When you've got like the cross beams and reveals of the world that are showing you, hey, these are our best potential opportunities with existing partners. Now, obviously, it means you have to have partner in place. Everybody's got to be open to this. But it's interesting because now you can kind of just say, hey, look, we've closed these and they're open for them. The, they, we, they've closed these and they're open for us. These are easy conversations. You can align a reps around them. But one thing, so we're, we're definitely doing you know rollouts of, of the playbook. To, to kind of make this happen. And it, the, the big challenge is getting the reps to buy in initially mm-hmm. to see the real value in speeding up their sales cycles, improving deals, creating trust. And, and I will say the easiest that I've seen so far, though, have been the larger companies have massive expansion internal opportunities sure. where you're not just co-selling one time. Yeah. You're actually within orgs multiple times and building a stronger relationship with your counterpart. And so that's where I always say, like, if you want to test this, find those type of opportunities that allow the reps to build relationship to where it'll actually just empower the entire org overall. Because now they're saying, look at what we've done. And when they elevate in the rep status, right? Hey, they might've been a top rep and now they're even killing their number more. You're like, wait, something's going on here. And it opens that door. So I, lo- I love it. I love well, it. Selling net new is always the sexiest, but it's also the hardest. Yep. Yeah. So there's no reason, like if you can get people to care about expansion and, and renewal and things like that, you're going to find some wins a little bit easier, you know, not easy, but easier than just like, Hey, let's go take down a bunch of net new. It's fucking hard, man. Yeah. I I do think that will be potentially one of the outcomes of all this attention around partner, right. Is, is a, an adjustment and a change in methodology to how we quota and incentivize frontline sellers. You know, I think you're going to see that extend more into, all right, you own that logo for, the first six months, the first year, right? Like, and have that health and expansion target, right? Then I think that better motivates the seller to do what's right in the eyes of the customer rather than just, you know, knocking down logos. Yeah, it's been a long time for me since I've really dug in, but in the, uh, this will age me in the, in the 2000s, I did a ton of data storage and security uh, sort of go-to-market implementation. And the best sales leaders would be focused on partners early, but they would basically tell the reps, I'm going to comp you fully, but you're going to get this thing to like an oper- a true opportunity level. And then you're going to bring in the partner and just show them, hey, look at this. I just made you a ton of money. And he's like, I remember one of them just said, no cut to your commission. I'm going to eat this, mm-hmm. right? But like you are going to, we are going to take every opportunity we get initially and we're going to give it to these preferred partners. We're going to bring them in, but we know we're going to win because, right. you know, I needed just so how many, they, those folks had been at it for a long time in the old school way, you know, trying to get CDW or, mm-hmm. you know, these folks to go sell their stuff. But the concepts are similar to what you and Judd were just saying, Josh, which is like, there's one thing to go take them a story. And then, yeah, I mean, the rep's going to be like, okay, another story and then more work, right? right? Instead, we start this relationship with like, I can make you a lot of money. 
let's go do this opportunity I have in your patch right now that we're going to go win. Because yeah. like I was saying, those folks had scars on the back from making partnership deals and not having anything like a true give is to make people more money. And so, um, so as you guys were talking, I was like, wow, that, you know, that's one thing we got to keep in mind when we roll out this partner stuff and the comp we give them is, is really important, especially early. You're going to have to eat. In my opinion, you're going to have to eat some Mm -hmm. comp. And then number two, what Judd and Josh were saying that combines with this idea of like, let's go give them some, like, let's go bring some meaningful things to them. Then, you know, the give, that's like the true give. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that, I'm just leaning back what I had heard. Well, yeah, something to that. Like, so Matt, I don't remember what he or I mean, you're at Marqueno, but like even, you know, Marqueno was older, orders of magnitude larger than BMD, right? So even there, oh, yeah. that, that partnership, we weren't going to just be the partner omnipresent everywhere. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. So you think about, this is maybe like 15, 16, 17, Matt. Uh, you had the... Ray, Ray and Bill's team in the SMB, right? That was just volume velocity. Uh, Matt Hines was kind of getting that enterprise deal going that was the, the big, big guys. And so in the volume and velocity business, professional services and consulting is a bad word. Like, sure, I was sure. in their way. I was going to slow them down. Like, they might get a phone call on Friday and close it on Tuesday, right? Like, so I, I, was, I was bad. In the enterprise, this thing was just like getting rolling. So those guys that... Uh, what are they? I'm trying to remember some names, but those guys, like they were in this one throat to choke mindset. I'm going to take my professional services guy down from floor six and I'm going to grab his neck and bring him down and tell him to do whatever I say to do to get this deal. Done. I can't, I can't control you that way. So you're, you're bad. Right. So where do, where do I fit? If you remember, there was this little mid market team. There was like yeah. seven people on the team, Brandon yeah. Delgadio and a few, and a few folks. Chip Lewis was Chip on Lewis, the team. Yeah, I made hay there for three years. Like, yeah, yeah. Because they weren't getting a loan from Enterprise Solution Consulting, but they were doing enterprise like deals. They weren't doing SMB, like highly volume velocity, but they weren't, like, they were kind of out in no man's land. So I just made yeah. friends there for like three years and just destroyed because I could give them that kind of like value engineering light that they couldn't get from the enterprise team. And it was of value to them, right? So you kind of yeah. have to find your seat, find your lane as much more. Yeah. That is just like a sales rep. Like you, you're going to go in and understand their business, figure out where they're trying to, where their holes are yeah. and go through those holes. And that's the co-selling that's going to be most successful. Right. The, that's amazing. Yeah. You have but, to have a value to not only the buyer, the end user, but to the rep that you're trying to partner with, to your point right. around comp and to Josh's point around like, what are they not getting that's, that's hurting them and harming them from, from getting deals. Yep. Yes, yeah, so I got two theories. One is the current sort of partner executives are just approaching. I'm not, this is a widespread accusation, but they just approach the deal. We, the way you guys are talking right now, I'm just like, I have Josh up here and Judd down here. And, <laughs> and, to, and, and, and is that they're approaching it from a deal. You guys are approaching it from like, uh, there's real strategy on how we actually help that partner and how the co-selling Correct. strategy comes into play. I think that's, I think that's brilliant. The, and I'm not sure though, that that's the approach that most partnership leaders take. And then the second thing is on partner marketing. We mentioned Par- in my, what I've seen is partner marketing is a field marketing person, not a strategic mm-hmm. like, so, and they're just looking to do so. So Matt, you could see like, he's thinking strategically 
on the relationship and how, you know, how we package things up and work with those folks. But I'm not sure in either case, on the partner executive side or on the partner marketing side, that we're thinking about things right, just hearing you guys talk. I don't know, Matt. I mean, is that was that a true accusation on partner marketing? It's a true accusation. Like I I I, I do not <laughs> stamp it. That, let me get my glasses on in celebration. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I I, I will I, I'd be the first person to admit that I'm not the greatest like partner person on the planet, partner executive on the planet. I know where I see the value in it. Uh, and maybe that's short-sighted. Uh, but like, I am often the CMO that thinks about like, how do I get popular by being associated with the right people? Number one. And number two, like, how do I, how do I help streamline the process for a partner to sell more with us? Right. So whether that's over-indexing on enablement or over-indexing on like, do people do still do spiffs for their partners? Like, yeah, you still do the like, hey, you anybody? Did. Yeah, sure. we, you we did. did. You know, yeah, what I mean? you like, like we we ran contests, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for for reps who referred the most business to us. We go, we go, uh, and that's another like hack, like sponsor the RKO, SKO, whatever they want to call it, like as a partner. Like, uh, oftentimes, like that's total greenfield where you can just yeah. go in there and be like, hey, is anyone sponsoring your RKO? Can I like, can I do your big dinner or whatever? And then we right. would hijack their awards, so they would do their awards and be like, hey, can we get? 10 minutes at the end of your awards be like hey you know brandon you know matt jessica right like a lot of whiskey and airpods yep exactly like just you know bring them something like get to learn like or do they frown on like monetary do they want like are they cool with gifts but you got to cross all those bridges but then you're actually like creating this little you know reward ecosystem in there that people look forward to and we took people to what Lollapalooza, napa, uh, napa for wine tasting uh, uh tahoe for skiing like we like created a little like, you know, sales competition around it. Yeah. What, one of the things that I think you guys also call out without calling it out that I think where, where things are very strong for partner is you guys think of partner like they're a customer, right? Totally. They treat them in, in totally. the way, which means they feel yeah. special. They feel engaged. They feel like the trust being built, and, you know, cause it's really interesting when you think about it. First, you got to sell them on the value that you can create together. Right. Then you got to get them to take action. Right. Hey, use our product, do our thing, do you know, take whatever. And it's it's the same motion, just a slight shift. And I always say that you know, like th- this is one of those things that if you approach it any other way than they're a, like that customer mentality, you're going to kill that relationship because yeah. then it's always yeah. what's in it for me, what's in it for me. Mm-hmm. And, and like you guys mm-hmm. have, have you know shown numerous times, like you'll walk the halls, you get involved, you make it happen. And that's what you have to do with customers. Sometimes you have to make it happy. You've got to give, give, give. Because I'm a big believer in give without expectations. I love what you guys are saying. Um, and, and I think everybody on the show really is. Um, what do you think the biggest challenge right now moving forward with this motion is going to be? Because it's getting a little momentum, but I've seen this happen before and then fizzle. So what do you think the biggest challenge coming in this this motion is going to be? Go ahead. Go ahead, Wags, and then I'll, I'll follow you up. Like anything, you're gonna you're gonna get this uh, stable of talking heads, and maybe that's us. We're just talking heads right now, uh, with best practices, right? That don't have any real teeth behind them. And you're gonna have a playbook, like you know, like you said, you, you know, you're rolling out playbooks, you're doing it, and this and that. But like, how do you make it tangible in all levels of an organization? I think that's the thing that you really have to think about 
is at every section, whether it's executives, customer success, sales, marketing, what's the one tangible thing we can do that will make someone feel like there's value there? And if we don't do that thing, then nothing's going to happen. And I feel like that's what happens when you get a lot of best practices getting rolled out. It's just nothing happens. Yeah, I was going to say it's cultural. You know what I mean? Like it truly is cultural within an organization. Like our onboarding process included calling two contacts from our partner for every employee that came in, right? Like, hey, I want you to call, you know, depending upon where you're at, like, hey, these are your two, you know, buddies that you're essentially going to, you know, find out what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, what they're struggling with, how they touch our joint customer, you know, and now that's going to be your relationship for the for the life of your time, you know, at the organization. Like just little things like that, that drive down, like we are a partner-centric org. We don't win anything alone. And if we do, that's a bad way to start a customer relationship. And that's what I worry about, which is like, it's not just top down. It's not just bottom up. Like it, it truly has to be across the organization. And that's difficult to do when, you know, you're, you're starting from a position where that hasn't been the, the historical. Yeah. That's amazing. Hey, by the way, I just on the Lollapalooza thing that I wasn't invited to, uh, <laughs> I got lunch. That was good. Really good. And dinner, Dreamforce, your dinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed those. But why, so on the concert, who was invited to these like events you would do? Were they future partners or were they best performers? No, they were eight. Yeah. Best performer AEs. Okay. That, that, that one in particular was a Marketo uh, AE event. Okay. All right. I got, so, I got a miniature bonsai tree from them. Yeah. Uh, what? We did 250 <laughs> bonsai trees. That's like, okay, hot take. Best gift you've gotten from a partner or company. Go. Miniature bonsai tree. Oh, fair. <laughs> I got like a green jacket or hat. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Actually, the I got a brisket from Good Company in Houston. Oh, nice. I, I you know, I will, I will give um, Kyle uh, a shout out from uh, Sales Loft. Like, apparently, he, he, his wife and her family own a farm, and he sends his tangerines out. Those are the best fucking tangerine. Like I literally have been online. You can't get them on the West Coast. Like I got, I'm gonna fly back to to Florida and get some of these tangerines. Like delicious. Those yeah. are the best. I mean, and I I couldn't understand them. They were like seedless, like perfect peels. The, the most. The, the, it's the zipper skin. Like he's got a patent on it. Yeah. I, I mean, I would I would take that orange tangerine. The tangerine yeah. brand matters. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> By the way, for the rest of you, please don't send those little tangerines. Like this was a cuties. Cuties are terrible. Yeah, please don't do that. No cuties. Um, But um, Judd, what's your best partner gift you ever got or gave? Gave was a guitar. What? Uh, Found out. Found out. I've known you guys all you guys for years, and I'm not. What's like? CEO was an avid guitar player. And did a little bit of research, found out, got one custom made and had it sent. Wow. That, that sealed the deal. Uh, received, I don't really get lots of gifts. So I can't say that I've had a, a killer one. So if anybody wants to send me something, go ahead. Just there kidding. We go. There we go. Craig, I delivered a lot of whiskey to the old dentist's office that you guys yeah. used to office out of. All right. I just want to give myself some credit. You know what? I'm taking all back. You know, if everyone, I don't want to uh, misrepresent here, Justin gave me some of the best whiskey all time. I had. When we sold and we were moving out of that office, 
I had the most important part of me moving was my liquor collection I had gotten from you. And then eventually people started to figure that out and they would just give me whiskey. So I had like mm -hmm. it was an amazing collection in there. Um, cool. So I, the one thing I know we're at time, you guys, but I do want to ask, is there anything we should think about from a metrics perspective? Like because you and Judd were nodding your head on the way we measure. And, and like I'm thinking initially or long term, like, is there anything we need to think about there? Yeah, I've got a whole diatribe on this, but I think the, the foundation of it all is like you have to figure out a way to attach partners within your system of record. Because my my thought on this is like all of your regular KPIs remain. You just have to figure out how partner attachment impacts those KPIs, whether it's acquisition, whether it's funnel. Uh, performance, whether it's, you know, uh, churn and, and CAC, CAC and LTV, LTV yeah. and like, if you can just figure out a way to understand like what partners are in a prospect slash customer and which ones have we brought in actively within that cycle, then you can find a ton of insight as it pertains to what your program should look like and how it's performing. I, I'm going to just go one level deeper because I agree partner attached is absolutely huge. Uh, even Microsoft announced they're trying to get to 100% partner attached within the next you know period of time. Mm -hmm. But it's not just partner attached, in my opinion. It's partner attached by stage. Where mm -hmm. are they coming in and most beneficial and helpful? Are they top of funnel type partners? Are they middle or end? Mm -hmm. Because if I know that I've got a partner who can help me close a deal, that's a different call than a guy who says, hey, make an intro for me. So understanding yeah, those right. metrics in my partners, how they influence and where actually makes that program so much more powerful. I think that was what Agreed. was kind of interesting about what Matt was saying about like the AWS and Microsoft and Google. Like, yes, they're a pain in the ass because they're juggernauts and they can be. Like they can ask for whatever they want. But those companies play the long game better than anybody. Right? Like, sure, we'll give you paper. We'll give you this. We'll give you that. Like, only thing they're getting out of it is more cloud computing, right? Yeah, <laughs> and they know it, and that's a long ass game. They're, you know, and it's it's just an interesting way to think about it. It's like you see the point there, Jim. What kind of partner? I think, are they I think that's our time, guys. You you yeah. rock. You're you awesome. definitely pulled on my heartstrings for sure. Um, Craig did a good job for once. Just kidding, Craig. Um, <laughs> he brings well, it I, I had to redirect because you kept wanting to go up and talk in the ivory tower. I was trying to bring everyone down. Give, I deserve a reality. I deserve a, a guitar for that. Guys, well, thank you so much for being here. Guys, as always, please come check out all the stuff. We've got amazing guests like this. Also, sometimes we just hang out, out and talk. So if there's also topics you want us to hit on and have conversation around, let us know. But with that, Thank you guys for being here and uh, thank everybody for tuning in and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Have a happy holiday. Thanks. Eric. By the way, Judd, you do know that you've recorded an ending already. Uh, play, and it's really, it. it's even better. Than what you now, now you have optionality. <laughs> Let's subscribe uh, to the Cheat Code podcast. In the show notes. Thanks for tuning in to GTM Unfiltered. To hear our innovative insights and strategies, visit gtmunfiltered.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time.